Just gonna run this dog to see if we can find any type of uh, human remains that are left. Listen to Where Secrets Go to Die, The Disappearance of Derek Hennigan. From the Detroit Free Press, a new podcast set in the woods of Michigan's Upper Peninsula. Available on Apple, Spotify, Freep.com, or wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome to the Thunder Buddies podcast. I'm Joe Masato, joined by Barry Trammell. Here to recap the Thunder's 103-84 loss to the Dallas Mavericks on Sunday night at Paycom Center. Barry, I, I very much struggled post-game. To, to, I had no idea what to write about. I thought, just to be completely blunt, I thought this was a very boring game. And the highlight, as I wrote, was the Olate dogs at halftime. First, do you like the Olate dogs? And second, do you agree that... Uh, what, what, what would you have written about after this one? I need a pro tip. Well, here's, here's what's striking me. I'm actually... I can't really You're disagree. anti-dog. I can't disagree dynamic. with you on either one, but I can say this. Darnell Mayberry, the pioneer, the pioneer beat writer for the Oklahoman on the Thunder, he was unhealthily intrigued by the Olathe dogs. And they're incredible. Well, it's it's incredible. <laughs> I mean, I don't I don't know. I, to me, I think it's I think it's a uh, I don't like putting them on the same level as Red Panda and uh, Quick Change, the, gr- the late great Quick Change. Um, so I'm not that big on the latte dogs. Yeah, but like training yourself is one thing, but training dogs to do something that spectacular well, is a I don't, whole different is, level is it of spectac- difficulty. I, is it spectacular? That's my only question. Is it? Are they spectacular? Maybe my answer is yes. Yeah, okay, that's I, my I, answer. I, I got to admit, I haven't seen the latte dogs in three or four years, so I don't know. Maybe they, maybe they're better than I. I just remember uh, Darnell being crazily. Fired up about the Olate dogs, and I said, "Oh, that's nice. Got some, got some canines out there running around." Um, as far as the game, after you, I, I read what you sort of said and uh, what you wrote, and then I've seen what you just said, and I can't really debate you. But during the middle of the game, like you know, in the middle of the third quarter, going towards the fourth, I remember thinking, "You know what? This game is keeping my interest more than most games." So. I've been trying to figure out here for the last few minutes why you were so turned off and I was sort of so fired up about this game. And I th- I, I think it's this. I don't think I don't think anything about the game was too interesting. You're right about that. No Donkic. Lou Dort didn't play in the second half. Yeah. Those are those and, are my two main reasons. Yeah, I mean that's it's good like reasons. That's good you reasons. Lost that excitement. But there were a couple of things I was really intrigued by. Sort of what ifs. I kept thinking about um, that's, uh, there were three things that really intrigued me. One is, I kept thinking, how could the Dallas Mavericks possibly have let Rick Carlisle go to hire Jason Kidd? How could? Uh, oh my what, what is that all? Somebody they had the best offense in the NBA last year, second best, whatever it was, and now they're middle of the road offense. I don't understand that. Yeah, they're they're like before tonight they were twenty second in offense. Oh, great day! So. Uh, what go? What gets into people? I don't understand. Uh, the other thing is, uh, 
I was intrigued by Chris Stapp's Porzingis throughout the night. Now, if you look at his box score, there wasn't much going on. He's 6-17 for crying out loud. He only has seven rebounds. He had one block shot, 13 points. Um, but I kept thinking, I wonder if the Thunder could have traded Kimba Walker to Dallas for Chris Stapp's Porzingis. And the reason I wonder about that is I actually ran it past Chuck Cooperstein, the Mavericks radio play-by-play guy. And uh, I forgot where I saw him somewhere over the summer when it was clear Kimball Walker was going to get traded or cut, bought out. And he was fired up about the idea because the Mavericks needed a, 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 a primary ball handler to help Donkic out. Now, maybe they think they got Brunson enough, and that's enough. I don't know. But I kept thinking, would, would Porzingis have made the Thunder too good to tank or have hurt their draft stats, uh, stock? Probably so. Probably so. But I kept thinking about that. And the other thing that I this – is, this is the reason why I think this – your theory about this game was a dud is completely off base. And that, of course, is downtown Moses Brown. I mean, oh my gosh, <laughs> Moses I, Brown. I take I take back every negative thing I said. I love Moses Brown. <laughs> I mean, I read Moses Brown. You had a, maybe you had a note or something. I saw something about him. I saw. Well, he's not doing anything. You know, he's down there barely playing. He comes in. They put him in for like eleven seconds while Dwight Powell ties his shoe or replaces yeah, a contact his or whatever. Came out. Yeah, yeah he, get, he gets a block, a basket, and a rebound all in like eleven seconds. And then, uh, and then he finishes. Uh, what's he finished with here? He's got fifteen points, six rebounds, five of six shooting, two block it was, shots. It was a season high. Is his first double-digit di- scoring game of the season? Oh yeah, I just yeah, I, I, I can I, watch him play basketball all day long. I and he love seems Moses like such, Brown. And he seems yeah. like such a great guy. He, so, he really is. Like um, Paris Lawson from the Thunder mentioned this after the game. We were both talking about how much we enjoyed talking to Moses Brown. Uh, last season on the Zooms and stuff. And right. she was like, you know, if we went up to Moses Brown, he'd have no idea who we are, wouldn't recognize us or anything, because <laughs> it was all on Zoom. Like, we never got to meet yeah. Moses Brown. Yeah, that's true. Um, that is true. And just looking back, like, it's still crazy to me. He started 32 games. Like, you remember that, like, 2020 game he had against the Celtics? And we knew that Moses Brown's production was more a part of just like the volume of it. Like he was in there. Someone had to get those rebounds. Someone had to get some of those points and that, you know, he clearly wasn't a guy who was going to impact a game at that level in, in games that actually matter. But with that said, like he was basically, you know, signed after being, you know, sort of at a dead end in Portland, signs a two way contract, plays well, Signs a standard contract with the Thunder, is included in that Al Horford trade, Kimball Walker trade, um, to Boston. Boston then flips him to Dallas. And I'm really happy that Moses Brown has, you know, I, I'm not, his his place is not secure by by any means. But, like, it's it's still good to see him playing and uh, to have an impact on the game like he, like he did tonight. He's like, he he's just all arms and legs, limbs flying everywhere, diving on the floor. Like, I like Moses Brown just because you don't see many people like him that are just, you know, just that move the way he moves with that sort of body, and he's just, like, a, a very nice guy. So 
yeah, that that was the highlight. I take I take it back. And so I I, I actually wa- enjoy watching Dallas play. I don't know why. Kleber's fun to watch. Um, I like I like Brunson Har- well. Hardaway Brunson. Um, they got some. They got some guys that are sort of fun to watch. So, yeah, I found three it. of the I've, biggest guys in the league and Porzingis, Boban, and Moses Brown. They got Bobons on that team. Yeah, he didn't play tonight, but he's here. Yeah, how could? Well, I take back what I anything <laughs> I said good about this game. Any game that has the potential to have Boban take the court and does not should be stricken from the official record. <laughs> So anything I've said good about the Mavericks in the last five minutes, I don't know if I said anything good about. Boban the makes Moses Brown look small. Boban is a is a <laughs> is is a gift to the human race. That's what Boban is. Uh, yeah. He's a he, he he's what he's what David Stern once said about Shaq. He's delightful. <laughs> so <laughs> so uh, Boban Boban was in the city and they didn't let him didn't let him on the court. That's a shame. That's a shame. Um. Just on a serious note, back to Moses Brown. Like, do you think he? I mean, he, he's playing because you know they're 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 down a few guys, and he hasn't played a ton for him. But like, do you think there's like another like a step he can take? Is this sort of what he is? Like, do you see him sticking around at all in the NBA? Are we talking about who? Moses uh, Brown. I think we've seen about all Moses Brown can do, but I don't know why he couldn't stick around doing that. Yeah. Um, you know, it was I don't just really, so hard I don't, to judge how good he. We talked about it all the time on the podcast. Like, you have no idea how impactful those numbers actually are in the team context that he was playing in with the Thunder. Right, right, right. And I, I mean, I don't think he's really anything more than a third team center. But guess right. what? I you need a third team center. You well, know, you, you need one. Yeah. Because if somebody gets hurt, you need a second team center. So he can do yeah. that. And, I you know, am bringing he, this up because basically some Thunder fans I've seen on uh, Twitter are upset that the, the, the Thunder let Moses Brown go. And quite frankly, it's just like it's a, a non-factor. It's not going to matter. Moses Brown was not going to be a long-term piece with the Thunder. Um I hope he sticks around in the league, but he's probably a guy that bounces around quite a bit in his career and latches on as a third-team center, like you're saying. Yeah, and I mean, I, I, I don't think he'll have a long career in the league. Um, but I do think he can be useful at times, and Dallas is finding a way to have him useful. He helped them win tonight, for crying out loud, a game that really was a sort of an, a good game through, or a competitive game through three quarters or so. So, um, yeah, I, but, I, but I, I thought it was, it was great seeing Moses Brown play. I really, yes, I really enjoyed too. that. I'm uh, glad Moses Brown could fuel this podcast. By the way, at, um, building off that, the Mavs outscored the Thunder 50-20 to 20 in the paint, and that was uh, – the, the Thunder struggles against size, and the Mavericks have a, a ton of size, and, and that number is significant. I will give you a more significant number, though, Barry. Fast break points, zero to zero. Zero fast break points combined in this game. Well, let me tell you why there were zero fast break points. Because anybody, anytime anybody broke into any kind of run more than a jog, somebody reached out and fouled them. We had a bunch of take fouls, what they call take fouls, which is just – going and grabbing somebody when they're trying to 
you know, run down court for a fast break. Um, it's the bane of some people's existence. Um, you know, the, the analytics crowd is trying to get rid of it, trying to, trying to create some sort of rule that would, that would uh, excessively or, or more punish a team that does that, these intentional fouls. So that's would one you reason. Like to, would you like to see that? Yeah, I think it's not really a basketball play. So just give them a foul. Just give them a free one foul shot and keep the ball. That'd be fun. Yeah. If you want to grab somebody, fine. Just here's a foul shot. Yeah. I think the only thing is like late in games, it's obviously, I mean, it's it's obvious, but the ref has to use their judgment as far as like intentionally fouling to send someone to the line. And that's not what we're talking about here. Yeah. This is just people trying to stop fast breaks. Yeah. People trying to slow down the game. That's when, bad. when the offense has numbers and the defense right, does Right, exactly. It. So I think Hardaway did it, though, tonight where it put the Thunder into the bonus, and that's a really bad play when they do that. Well, especially if it's the Thunder, although they can't make foul shots either. <laughs> I mean, for crying out loud. Oh, what's, boy. What's, what's, what, are, what are they shooting for the, for the year from the line, the Thunder? They're not very good at all. No. Um, um, I'd look it up. They're not I, very good at all. Yeah, I can I, I can look it up. Um, one thing we should talk about, Lou Dort injured just before halftime, officially a left ankle sprain. Um, Mark Dagnall said they'll, they'll look at it in the morning. He, he retaped it at halftime, wasn't able to go. But, I mean, you can you can see how the – it's not just defense. It's you, you can see what the Thunder looks like offensively without Lou Dort, without another attacker on the floor. And the Thunder scored 13 points in the fourth quarter, and that was like – sealed this game and they if Dortz is to miss any sort of time like um obviously aids the lottery race yeah it does you know they they struggle to to do much without him and uh, defensively and and offensively you know he's he's I don't know if he's their second best offensive player, but he might be for crying out loud. I don't know. Somebody's got to be. Well, he's certainly their second best scorer. Right. Um, I mean, I would so, say Giddy's got like a better offensive feel. Um, yeah. Now, Giddy's another discussion. Giddy is in a slump, and I don't mean a shooting slump or a scoring slump. He's just in a ball handling slump and a decision making yeah. slump, and his turnovers are are getting pretty. Pretty heavy, um, comparatively. He had, he's he's he had four he had, tonight. He had a frustrating. I thought he was really frustrated tonight. He um, was not. He's he's hit a wall here, and I don't know the last five games, maybe t- two weeks, ever how long it's been. Um, I wonder if a I wonder if a rest would help him. Let him sit out a game. Yeah, I I. I honestly need to write about that. I, I haven't like covered it too much, but yeah, it's like sort of flown under the radar a little bit because of how good he was to start the year. Even when he has a bad game, the thing about him is that he'll throw three to four passes that make you just go wow, and like it sort of overshadows some of the other stuff he's doing. But tonight, he didn't even have one of those passes. No, so that's and, true. He still had decent numbers in terms yeah. of. Six rebounds and what? Well, four assists. So this was one of his worst games. Or seven rebounds, four assists. This is one of his worst statistical games. But even when he has a bad game, he puts up pretty interesting numbers. That's what 
that's what's interesting to me. We, we, um, we didn't talk after the Raptors game, but there was that one play where, like, Gary Trent Jr. just, like, stopped him, basically, and ripped the ball away from him. And, like, he's had a, a few turnovers where he's just not been super strong right. with, with the ball. But I think that's just the thing of, of being a rookie, probably. And being 11 years old or 19, whatever he is, he's not, you know, he's – I guess he's still the youngest player in the NBA. Um He's actually not, but Mark Bignall loves to say he is. Who is the youngest? Josh Primo with the Spurs. Oh, really? Yeah. Well, second youngest in the NBA. So, um, to me, that's fascinating that he's he's sort of hit the sophomore sophomore wall here midway through his rookie year. So, um, uh, any kind of readjustment that they could do, I think, would be good. Any, you know, a rest, uh, a retool, whatever it might be, uh, because he's clearly he's clearly hit it. Yeah. Well, speaking of rest, I think before the Thunder's next two games, they have two off days before. Like they don't play next until Wednesday. Um, then and they might Saturday. Yeah. Saturday. So that's pretty rare. Um, so, so maybe that rest will help them. They're off completely tomorrow. I think they're going to practice Tuesday before coming back Wednesday. Um, I guess we should mention Shea Gilgis Alexander. He uh, he did lead the team in scoring 18 points. wasn't easy. Six of 15, one of five from three. Um, did shoot six free throws, five assists, one turnover, four rebounds. I mean, not a not a spectacular game by any means, but deserves at least a nod seeing as though he did most of the scoring tonight of which well, there was very little i i he he seemed to minimize the frustration tonight um and i think he's had some frustrating moments here the last week or two um but he's clearly not getting many open shots people just there's not enough around him to make deep, to keep defenses honest so he's sort of stuck with just if he's going to if he's going to put up anything he's going to just sort of have to put his head down and do it. So, um, you know that's another thing that Dagnall's going to have to to keep an eye on is that is that frustration level for SGA. So uh, it's it's been a bad stretch for the Thunder. Even he, it, the good thing tonight. You, I think you mentioned it. The, the previous two, the road trip, t- Detroit, Toronto. What you know? What I call the uh, you know the Windsor, the Windsor series. Um, the, go to Detroit and cross over into Windsor. The Great Lakes Toronto. series. Yeah, yeah. But anyway, you know he go he lives at the line. What was it? Twelve and sixteen, or twelve and fourteen? It was fifteen or, and sixteen. He took thirty-one free yeah, throws in two games. Thir- thirty-one free throws in two games, and then the ref, you know, swallowed their whistle against the Lakers, and he had one or two. Foul shots, so it's good that he's back today with six, um, and he made five of them, which is good because he's sort of been sporadic at the line. But I think he's not. I think he's just. I think there's some frustration sitting in, and it may not even be anything he realizes. Mm-hmm. But he's getting so few open looks. Um, any three pointer he gets, he has to create it via the step back kind of thing. The drives are not are not going well because teams just not going to let him drive, um, you know, with trapping and double teaming and those kinds of things. So, to me, it's 
it's just uh, another thing to worry about if you're if you're Mark Dagnold. Um, Barry, just to, to wrap up here, I'm going to go to a trusty website called tankathon.com. The Thunder, as of now, 10.05 p.m. Central Time on Sunday, December 12th, is 8-18 eight and 18 and tied with Houston for the fourth worst record in the NBA. Detroit at 4-22, and 22, Orlando at 5-22, and 22, and New Orleans at 8-21 and 21 are the only ones worse. And I bring this up because a very popular discussion these days that we have not had, so I would like to have it with you, is the impact that one Mr. Mike Mascala, and also Ken Rich Williams, but Mike Mascala, um, is having on on this team and, and sort of being the ultimate floor raiser. And maybe, obviously, he hit the hit the game winner in Toronto tonight. He came, came in and instantly hit, like, three three-pointers. Um... I just wonder how I I'm saying all this to say I don't think it's going to matter. Now, a huge obstacle in the Thunder being a bottom 3 team, which I thought they were well on their way toward, is if Zion Williamson just doesn't play at all this year and the Pelicans are a total mess right now. And then you look at it and say, "Okay, if the Pelicans are going to have be in the bottom 3, Detroit and Orlando aren't winning many games. So then you're stuck at 4." But would so I didn't think it was going to matter. Maybe it will matter. What would you do with Mike Muscala? Well, two things. One, I'd trade Kenrich Williams. And I know it's just not Mike Muscala. It's yes. just he's become the symbol yes. of this conversation. But here, here's why I say you don't just mothball Mike Muscala. And that game in, where would it have been, Toronto? Where did he hit the big shot? Was that Toronto, Toronto. or Detroit? Okay, Toronto. He hits the big shot thanks to the uh, you know the drive and kick back by SGA. I realize the Thunder needs to lose. I realize they put themselves into position to lose most games. But you got to have some periodic successes. You got to win a few games just for the sanity of your building blocks. Um, yeah, and just the mood. Like, those yes. guys were so happy after that Raptors yes. game. Listen, listen if, if you want Shea Gilgis-Alexander to become a superstar, he's got to have nights like that where he either makes a winning basket or he makes a winning play at the end. Now, do I wish that Toronto temp in had counted at the buzzer? Yes, because then you get the SGA winning play. Um and then you still get a, a, a Toronto victory, but you can't just you can't just send four duds out there or three duds or ever how many. You can't just surround SGA yeah. with guys that can't produce. Well, and it's not like like it's it because it's by the way, Mark Dagnall's coaching to win. It's not like when there's you know ten seconds on the clock, he's going to put in Maladone and Poku and. You know Aaron Wiggins and a bunch of rookies. No, no offense to those guys, but it's not like he's going to totally change the lineup. Like that would, that's just not going to happen. No, you're exactly right, and you've got to, you got to have some small victories. You got to have some small steps of success, or the progress and the development of people like Lou Dort and SGA and Josh Giddy is going to stagnate. It just is, and it. 
And it could be even with the mental side or the emotional side or the commitment side. So, you know, here, you know, this is, this is a, this is a little bit of a, uh, of a testament where, you know, when people used to get mad when they'd lose a game, now people get mad when they win a game and you gotta, you gotta think of it this way. You can't lose them all. Yeah, it's not like they're twelve and fourteen or something at the, at this point. I mean, they're they're eight and eighteen, and I I do think the Pelicans uh, have become the concern because we've talked the whole season about well, once Zion's back, the Pelicans are going to be better than them, and now the Zion news is just uh, sad, disappointing, frustrating, whatever you want to call it. He suffered another setback with his foot injury, and I don't know if he'll be back this season. I yeah. don't know if anyone knows, but what do you think about like how hard it's going to be to get in that bottom three? Well, the Pelicans are an issue. I still got to believe that with with Brandon Ingram and Valensunas and whoever else they got, that they've they got potentially a better a potentially better avenue to victory than the Thunder does. Um. But they're a little bit, uh, you know, they're a cultural deficient franchise. Yeah. So. That's as much of an issue as the. Yeah. So losing big comes natural to them. You know, the Thunder has to work at losing. But I don't know that. I don't know that that happens in New Orleans. So it's possible. The Pelicans are five and five in their last ten. Yeah. And, you know, we get to see them right Wednesday night. They're here. Is that right? Yeah. All right, well, I'm, I'm anxious to see that game because it is an up-close and personal look at this squadron that can be, um, you know, potential uh, roadblock. So that'll be fun. By the way, um, you're, you're looking at around like three percentage point difference of landing the number one pick, seven point difference between landing a top four pick. So, I mean... I don't want to use the word marginal because it's it's a it's a little greater than that. But um, getting in that bottom three is awfully important. I just don't think you can go to these extremes of. First off, they're not just going to sit Mike Muscala, and it's not just Mike Muscala and Kendrick Williams. Like I, I just don't yeah, really buy the argument. And, and let's 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 get a grip on reality. We all love Mike Muscala, but the idea that he's Carl Anthony Towns or somebody is just yeah. silly. That's I mean, what, he's Mike I'm, that's what I'm saying. He's been a, I mean, he's been a journeyman for ten years in the league. So, yeah. you know what? You know why? You know why Mike Muscala sticks out in people's mind? Because he can make three points. He can make a shot every <laughs> once in a while on a roster that can't make a shot to save its life. So, yeah. heck, Andy is over the age of twenty-two. Yeah. So. Yeah, you gotta, you gotta, you gotta throw a bone to SGA at some, you know, on some level. You gotta throw him a bone. There is no pick and roll with some of those guys out there, you know, or pick and pop. It's it, it, what that means is double team. If you if you got Derek Favors out there and you're gonna pick and pop, that just means we're double teaming SGA. That's what that means. So, yeah. you know, you got you gotta give a chance for further development. SGA is not a set, an established superstar. He's still a young player, star. I think you could obvi- you can clearly call him a star, superstar potential, perhaps. But he's yeah. not going to get there just playing with a bunch of 
you know, a bunch of meaningless games and, and guys that can't play. He's going to have to, he's going to have to make plays. Yeah, there, there's also a lot of season left, and the Thunder, in comparison to basically every other team, um, I, I saw a number that they are among the leaders in fewest games lost due to injury or COVID protocols. Like they've been remarkably healthy. Well, there, there you um, go. Who knows if that'll change or not? But if like, say, if Dort misses a, a few games, SGA misses a few games, like those, it doesn't matter who else is on the floor at that point. It gets ugly fast. Yeah. It gets ugly fast. Okay. No doubt about it. Speaking no doubt of ugly, about it. Wednesday, Pelicans, Thunder, um, we'll, uh, we'll be with you after that. So thank you guys, as always, for listening to the Thunder Buddies podcast. And uh, have a nice two-day break before we're back with you on Wednesday.